Pray with me. O merciful God, you called us forth from the dust of the earth. You claimed us for Christ in the waters of our baptism. Look upon us as we enter these 40 days bearing the mark of ashes and bless our journey through the desert of Lent to the font of rebirth. May our fasting be hunger for justice, our alms a making of peace, our prayer the chant of humble and grateful hearts. All that we do and pray is in the name of Jesus, for in his cross you proclaim your love forever and ever. Amen. Today, traditionally, has been called Shrove Tuesday. The word Shrove is derived from the verb to shrive, meaning to hear confession or to grant absolution. To shrive is about cleaning out the cobwebs in the closets of our souls. Things done and left undone, things said and left unsaid, which may clutter or weigh heavily on our conscience and receiving a firm resolve. Some of you may have grown up with a custom of a pancake supper on Shrove Tuesday. Going back to the Middle Ages, the custom of eating pancakes and sausages had a practical purpose. It was to use up the eggs, butter, milk, and meats, the fats, which are not all that healthy for our bodies, that were forbidden during the fasting of Lent. In one fell swoop, the water is cleared out and you have the one last blowout meal before you face tomorrow, Ash Wednesday. There's a story of a father who sent his seven-year-old daughter in to clean up her room. She emerged from her room after five minutes and said to him, I'm done. Can I watch TV? Suspicious, he went to investigate. Her room looked very clean and tidy. That was until he opened the closet door and almost buried alive by an avalanche of clothes and toys and other miscellaneous things. So he called his daughter back to her room to clean her closet, which she hadn't considered part of her room. Shrove Tuesday is like the daughter picking everything up and throwing it into the closet. We like to present a tidy appearance to the world, but we all have messy closets full of unresolved junk. Tomorrow is Ash Wednesday, and like the father opening the door to the daughter's closet, we will hear the words, Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The father called his daughter back to her room. He got a book and sat on a stool and read it while she cleaned her closet. With dad present, she got in gear and almost happily cleaned her closet, putting toys on shelves, clean clothes in drawers and on hangers, and dirty clothes and wet towels in the hamper. When she was done, she came and hugged him and said, now my whole room is clean, even my closet, and that feels really good. Cleaning out our closets definitely seems to be one of the paths our Lenten journey takes us down. Yet maybe we aren't as joyful about the task of cleaning and putting our junk in order as a little girl in our story. The story is so revealing of our lives, we present ourselves in a certain way on the outside and have all this junk piled up in our inner closets, ready to burst out like an avalanche or pot ready to boil over. The season of Lent gives us an opportunity to clean up our life closets, making sure our inner emotions and feelings are congruent with our outer presentation. The sixth chapter of Matthew begins, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. The word translated here as piety is actually righteousness, which seems to be a central theme for Matthew. Righteousness for Matthew is an inward faithfulness and obedience to the spirit of the living God, love of God and love of neighbor. 
In Matthew, Jesus would have us clean our closets. Instead of having secret compartments to keep things we don't want to deal with or closets filled with emotional junk. Matthew tells that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is not about what spiritual disciplines we practice, but about the motivation and purpose for doing them. For the longest time in my life, this gospel seemed an impossible challenge. As I once understood it, we're called to be ambassadors of Christ, but never boast of Christ's victory in our, in our living as Christians. But as I grew older and matured in my faith, I came to understand that the task set before us in today's gospel is not about hiding our Christianity, but rather making certain our Christianity is genuine. Christ never did anything for his own glory, but for the glory of God. In like fashion, we're called as disciples to live and love for the glory of God. For in so doing, we fully love and live. Growing up, one of my friends had a fireplace in his house. I was jealous until one day he asked if I wanted to help do his chores. And I said, sure. One of the chores during the fall and winter months was cleaning the ashes out of the fireplace on a regular basis. The concept of a regular basis must have been debated frequently as I often heard his mom yelling, Billy, come clean the fireplace. Cleaning the ashes out of the fireplace was a messy job. The ash and soot would seem to get everywhere. The fireplace was located in the family room, which had carpeting and made it even more difficult. Shoveling the ash into a pail for the two of us meant there would be a dust palace of clouds that would float around the room, which meant then in addition to cleaning the fireplace, we also had to clean the room and the carpet and included ourselves. When we were finished cleaning the fireplace, we looked like the chimney sweeps from Mary Poppins. What a mess. Traditionally, on Ash Wednesday, we receive a cross of ashes smeared on our foreheads to remind us and connect us to the messiness of the cross of Christ. On this cross, Jesus took on all our sins and clutter of our eternal closets and said that you and I are loved and forgiven. No matter how messy things get, we live in a messy, cluttered world, and Lent reminds us that God is there in the middle of it with us like the father in our opening story while we clean things up. There's a commercial for a vacuum cleaner that has its tagline, life is messy, clean it up. I like it because it reminds me that no matter what I, I'm keeping or storing in my, in my messy inner closet, I am loved and supported by the grace of God as I seek to clean things up so that my inner and outer are congruent and I'm true to who I am and who I am created to be. Often, during the season of Lent, Christians may give up something to connect symbolically with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Perhaps there is something you have considered, which is noble but could fall into the self-righteous component that seems to be discussed in Matthew's Gospel tonight. Doing something right for the wrong reasons. I had someone ask me what I was giving up for Lent this year, and I said I wasn't sure. So we began to discuss the options. Many of them sounded like the same things that are discussed for New Year's resolutions. I actually saw this statement, I am giving up my New Year's resolution for Lent. Giving up something is a spiritual discipline, with the idea to replace what you're giving up with something that draws our focus to God, like prayer, reading God's Word, meditation, insightful reading, taking a class, whatever in doing so gains greater insight and awareness of who God is in our life, draws us closer in relationship with God or closer in relationship with our neighbor. 
On this Ash Wednesday, as we consider the next 40 days until we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, what might you do beginning tomorrow as your Lenten journey through this, this solemn season of preparation for Easter? You might consider fasting from, from food and replace that act with volunteering at a local food bank or kitchen to grow your awareness and understanding of those who hunger. You might consider fasting maybe symbolically or physiologically to get in touch with hungering and longing and thirsting and desiring terms that we hear in the Psalms. What do you crave and why? Social justice, dismantling systemic and institutional racism, immigration policies, prison and judicial reform. Fasting may clarify and bring order to these hungers as you pray and practice life. Fasting from food may not be healthy for some, or fasting from food may not be the most important thing. You might consider fasting from worry, or from regret, or from revenge, or from jealousy. If you're prone to gorge on some emotion, fast from that. You might find it a meaningful discipline in Lent to affirm a practice of not multitasking or overcommitting, perhaps the discipline of holding fast to a slower pace. The season of Lent is a contained period of time to give up something that bloats your soul or consumes your attention. Fasting can help create some space and give some inner freedom. You may find in Lent the invitation not only to do something less, but also to do something more with your time or attention or money. You might hold fast to a daily resolve to practice some act of kindness or generosity with your spouse or partner with one or more of your colleagues or neighbors or family members or even strangers. What if you wrote a love letter every day in Lent? Not a business letter, not a letter of duty, but a love letter to a different person every day in Lent, simply telling them that they are remembered, that they matter, that you care for them and pray for them. Reverend Joel Blunk, Richmond Hills co-pastoral director for his Lenten practice is going to work through the book, Me and White Supremacy. Combat Racism, Change the World, and Become a Good Ancestor by Layla said. She wrote the book for any person who holds white privilege as a personal anti-racism tool structured to help people take ownership of their participation in the oppressive system of white supremacy. Reverend Dr. Lisa Johnson, the other Richmond Hill co-pastoral director, will be leading a Lenten teaching series Thursday mornings through Lent, looking at the journey of Christ from the wilderness to the cross, offering a chance to be brought closer to God as we recognize God's love toward us in both our trauma and triumphs. For me, I'm planning on joining Joel in reading the book, Me and White Supremacy, and working through the personal reflections. I also want to commit to doing one painting a week and listening to God speak through my creativity. What might you do beginning tomorrow, Ash Wednesday, as your Lenten journey through this solemn season of preparation for Easter? The church, Christ's living body, invites us to the observance of a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer and fasting, self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. This is a journey back to our dustness. There are practices that point us to that secret place where God awaits to join us. To dust you shall return is not God's threat or punishment. It is a statement of God's faithfulness to us. It's a statement of God's love and desire for us. It is the promise of resurrected life. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. May we experience a holy Lent and come Easter 
Give God a hug and tell him, now my whole room is clean, even my closet, and that feels really good. Amen and amen.